risky running, constructors battles, and one last dance for 2023. This week I'm talking all about the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. So get ready, because you've been summoned to the steward's office. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Stewards office. I'm Syra and this week we are chatting about the very last race in the Formula 1 calendar and that is of course the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. We were going into this race already knowing who our world champion was and who our constructors winners were because Max Verstappen already wrapped up his title and Red Bull had already wrapped up theirs as well. To be fair, in the drivers, we had actually sorted out the top three from the year. Max Verstappen, Sergio Perez, Lewis Hamilton were going into Abu Dhabi with their places in the Drivers' Championship already locked in and sealed. So in terms of battles in the Drivers' Championship at the top, we knew that was all sorted out. I think even though we had a couple of places that we're obviously unsure of in the Drivers' Championship, all eyes were really, really on the constructors. We had the battle for P2 between Mercedes and Ferrari. We had the battle for P4 between McLaren and Aston Martin. And the battle for P7, which really was between AlphaTauri and Williams, but it could have potentially been anyone towards the bottom of that table. But really... AlphaTauri and Williams were in contention for P7. So I think those were the main things we were sort of looking out for going into Abu Dhabi. A very quick update on some of the news going on in Formula 1 as we headed into this race weekend though. We found out that Mick Schumacher has signed with Alpine to go to WEC, so the World Endurance Championship, but he will be staying on as a reserve for Mercedes. He has sat out this year, obviously, has only been a reserve driver for Mercedes, done a lot of sim work for them, been a huge, huge help in that jump that they normally have between Friday and Saturday, but no actual racing seat. Nothing available for him in Formula 1 in the coming years. He has opted to go and drive in endurance. There were rumours, I think they're pretty much confirmed. I don't think it's anything official out of AlphaTauri just yet, but they will be having a rebrand next season. We will not be seeing the name AlphaTauri on the grid anymore. Apparently, they are becoming racing bulls, which is a really interesting one. So I have Red Bull and then their sister team, Racing Bulls. It sounds just not great to me, I can't lie. I prefer AlphaTauri, I prefer Toro Rosso when they used to be that. But it looks like they're going with racing bulls. Kind of makes sense that the name is very similar to Red Bull because they are going to have a much closer working relationship over the next year now. So all the information they are able to share with each other, and I think it's more of a case of all the information that Red Bull can share with AlphaTauri, they will be sharing. So it's going to be a much closer working relationship. So we will see how that works out. But yeah, by the looks of it, AlphaTauri is out and Racing Bulls is in. That's going to be an odd one. And finally, I think the last bit of sort of big news we had going into this weekend was the fact that McLaren have signed with Mercedes to continue their relationship with Mercedes supplying them engines until 2030. Now, there were a couple of rumours and conversations apparently going on between Zach Brown and Christian Horner about potentially using the Red Bull engine and rumours about McLaren having links with other engine manufacturers but apparently Andreas Stella the team principal for McLaren said he had spoken to Mercedes and I think to Total Wolf 
had a chat about the 2026 regulations when the new engine regulations had come in and had received assurances about them and it was a very straightforward deal to make. So better the devil you know I think with McLaren. I think they've got a car right now that works very, very well. It's very strong and they're going to be building on that in coming years. And they know the engine. They know Mercedes. It's a very good working relationship. Mercedes have supplied them with an engine for many, many years now. So I think it's sort of, let's not rock the boat. If it works, there's no point in replacing it. And rumours also have it that Mercedes are doing very well with their 2026 engine regulations and the development they're doing with their engine. We don't have anything confirmed, but obviously if that was part of the conversations that Andrea Sala had with Total Wealth and the rest of the factories at Mercedes. And yeah, that probably played a big part in them opting to resign all the way up until 2030. But that was all of the news. Let's get into what actually happened when we got out on track for this weekend. Looking at FP1, I mean, half of the grid were rookies. A lot of teams will opt to use the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix as a weekend to do a lot of the rookie running that they're required to do. Every team has to run a rookie driver in each of their cars for an FP1 session. A lot of the teams will opt to do this in Abu Dhabi because there's a lot less to lose. They're not worried about development. A lot of the championships and things are sealed up at that point. And for teams that are using F2 drivers, the F2 drivers are already going to be out there ready for their final race of the season as well. So Red Bull ended up running two rookies in their cars because they hadn't done any rookie running this year. So Jake Dennis, who is the current Formula E world champion, was in Max's car. And then... Isaac Hadjar, who is in F2 at the moment, was running in Checos. For Alfa Romeo, we had Teo Porsche running for Zhou Guan Yu. And Teo is a Cyber Academy driver. He's done quite a couple of FP1 sessions now for the team. So he knows them quite well and has worked very well with them. He is also their reserve driver for next year. Aston Martin had Felipe Drogovic running in place of Fernando Alonso. He has obviously run, I think, two races or one race at the beginning of the season for Lance Stroll has done an FP1 session with them and he is one of their development drivers and sim drivers and will be their reserve driver next year as well. Haas were running Oli Behrman in place of Nico Hulkenberg. Oli Behrman is in F2 racing with Prima. He is one of the standout rookie drivers of this year has driven very very well and Haas were really impressed with him when he ran in place of Kevin Magnussen a couple of races ago. Ferrari had Robert Schwartzman in place of Charles Leclerc. Mercedes had Frederick Vesti running in place of Lewis Hamilton, who is in F2 and is the runner-up in the Formula 2 Championship. McLaren took Pato Award in place of Lando Norris. Pato is an IndyCar driver racing with Aaron McLaren in that series. Alpine had Jack Dewan for Esteban Ocon. And finally, Williams had Zach O'Sullivan in place of Alexander Alban. So FP1 in general, I mean, quiet session, drives were just getting on with it and the rookies were just trying to get through whatever sort of program the teams had given them. FP2 was an absolute mess of a session though. So very, very early on we had a red flag because Carlos Sainz had lost control of the car after it had gone over a bump. It had bottomed out, he had lost the rear and had crashed quite badly into the tech pro barriers. It looked awful thankfully he was okay the car not so much but thankfully even though it looked like quite a high impact hit he was okay coming out of the car but that took a little while to get the car off the track and to repair the barriers so we lost a lot of running it was about 23 minutes so nearly half of fp2 which was gutting for a lot of the drivers who obviously hadn't driven an fp1 and needed that time in session ended up resuming and two three minutes after the drivers had the green flag to go Nico Hulkenberg ended up spinning because he lost control of the rear of his car 
and went into a barrier. That one thankfully didn't look like it took as long to clear up and for the green flag to go. But there were only about 16 minutes left of the session. And FP2 was the only real representative running that these drivers were going to have for both the race and for qualifying. In terms of the time of day and the temperatures and with the sun setting and everything, that was the only representative session they were going to have. And like I said, for those 10 drivers who had no running FP1, this was going to be an absolute headache for them. Free practice three then, a lot of the drivers going out onto track, trying to get in all of the running that they could that they missed out on because of FP1 and FP2. We had a lot of complaints from Max about the setup of the car. He was not happy with it. He thought it was bouncing around a lot like a kangaroo. Didn't end up getting a super quick quality lap in. Wasn't even in the top three by the end of FP3. And then Ferrari and Lewis were the other two drivers that looked quite lost during FP3. Trouble with the setup. Really couldn't get into the growth of the car. And were just struggling to find that pace that they wanted. Looking at qualifying though later on in the Saturday... Q1, we saw track limit infringements for Logan Sargent, Joe Guanyu, and Nico Hulkenberg. So they had a lot of lap times deleted because of that. Logan Sargent had his very first fast time deleted and then his second one deleted as well because of track limits. And they were both at turn one, if I remember correctly. So he didn't make it through Q1. He didn't even set a representative lap time in Q1. And that did mean that Alex Albon has now out-qualified Logan Sargent in every single race this season. All 22 races, Alex Albon has qualified higher than Logan Sargent. And that makes it the first time we've had this happen since 2020, when Max Verstappen did it in Red Bull against Alex Albon. So a bit of a full circle moment there. But yeah, Logan's qualifying was not great, especially when Williams have yet to confirm his seat. We still don't know at this point of recording on a Sunday evening whether or not Logan Sargent has that seat with Williams. James Vowles has said he has got drivers in mind if they opt not to re-sign Logan, so this wasn't great for him. The bigger shock in Q1, though, had to be Carlos Sainz's exit. He didn't get through into Q2, and I mean, I know I was saying that Ferrari was struggling in FP3, but not to the point I thought he was going to be eliminated, but he did say that he thought he was held up by some of the cars and got let out into traffic. Not great for the battle in the Constructors title, though, with him starting that far back. Q2, we had another shock exit in Lewis Hamilton, but it wasn't actually that much of a shock for me. Lewis said himself he would be very surprised if they were to get into Q3. It was very tight and he wasn't feeling the car this weekend. It felt a little bit loose and they weren't sure what it was doing. And he had very limited runtime on the Friday as well to find a setup that was really going to work for him. So he was knocked out in Q2, went into Q3 and... All of the concerns that Max Verstappen had about his car, about it jumping, about it not feeling quite right, completely washed away because Max Verstappen got pole position for the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Charles Leclerc was starting alongside him, so I think that is five races in a row now. Max and Charles have started alongside each other at the front row. Lando Norris just didn't have the best qualifying lap, definitely had the pace, and we've seen him put the laps together. But he kind of lost it towards the end of his lap at the end of Q3 and qualified him fifth and there was no way he should have qualified in fifth. He had the pace in the car to do better but he just wasn't able to pull the lap together but still fifth is not a bad place to finish. Going into the race on Sunday then, this felt like a race that basically summed up 
the entire season for me in that it kind of felt like there was a lot going on, but in reality, there wasn't a whole lot going on, if that makes sense. And the start of the race was actually quite interesting for me, though, I've got to be honest with you, because Charles and Max did have a bit of a battle right at the start, and I think we knew where it was going to go, in that Max is going to be able to eventually pull ahead. But it was quite interesting to see them battling really well with each other at the front of the pack. Charles just couldn't make it stick, though. I think he overtook him for like a couple of seconds around the corner and it just wasn't able to stick there. And then Max was off into the sunset. Other than that, main highlights from the race or, you know, main points from this race, we had Ricardo pitting early on lap eight. He had a tear off stuck in his brake duck, so he ended up stopping way, way earlier than what AlphaTauri were probably hoping to stop him. In general for this race, I think tyre deg was just a big issue for a lot of the drivers. And I think that's because we had such a racy start at the beginning. We had a lot of drivers just wanting to send it straight away, didn't want to save their tyres, didn't want to warm them up. They wanted to make the most very, very quickly. And it did make them suffer later on because of it. So we had a couple of people pitting earlier than what you would expect them to. And not because they were on a one-stop or three-stop strategy, just because the tyres had been worn out. We had Lando Norris just having an awful, awful pit stop. His very first pit stop, he was ahead of George Russell. They both went into the pits at the same time. And he had a 5.1 second pit stop, which ended up meaning that George could get out of the pits in front of him. So he lost track position there just because of a very slow pit stop. I mean, we had Yuki Tsunoda leading the race for a little while, which was brilliant. I will talk about Yuki more later. But yeah, he is only apparently the second Japanese driver to lead a Formula One race. So that was brilliant to see. And it probably meant a lot for Franz Toss to see that because it was his very last race of Formula One. He is retiring now. He is stepping down in his role as team principal of Alpha Tauri. Completely fair enough. I think he's very much looking forward to being able to sit back and just enjoy maybe watching Formula One without the stress of being a team principal. So that was really great to see from Yuki. We had a couple of bits of contact. I mean, Lewis Hamilton and Pierre Gasly ended up making contact. Pierre was having issues in general, had a bit of a lockup in one of the turns. Lewis was right behind him, saw him lock up, couldn't move and went into the back of him. And his front wing wasn't exactly broken, but it was at a bit of a weird angle, one of the end plates. And then Pierre Gasly was also carrying damage because of that contact as well, but no further action there. And then we had Sergio Perez and Lando Norris make contact towards the end stages of the race. So weird. There was so much room on track. There was just no need for that contact. But Sergio Perez did get a five second time penalty because of that and ended up losing out on a podium position because of it. But I think those are really the main talking points from this race. Like I said, it felt like there was a lot going on. It felt like we could have had a very good race at the start. And then all the potential sort of just washed away from it. But your winner for the 2023 Abu Dhabi Grand Prix for the 19th time this season is once again Max Verstappen. That was never in doubt. I don't think anyone was really expecting anything else. But yes, he did take his 19th win of the season, which is an incredible number to take. After the penalty was applied, Charles Leclerc took second and George Russell took third. And then the rest of our points finishers were Sergio Perez, Lando Norris, Oscar Piastri, Fernando Alonso, Yuki Snowder, Lewis Hamilton, and finally Lance Stroll. So those were our top 10. Finishing off the rest of the grid, though, we had Daniel Ricciardo, Esteban Ocon, Pierre Gasly, Alexander Albon, Nico Hulkenberg, Logan Sargent, Joe Guanyu, Carlos Sainz DNF'd, 
And then we have Alfred Bottas and Kevin Magnussen bringing up the rest of the field. Carlos Sainz ended up retiring on the last lap. Now, I couldn't really figure out why and what was going on. I ended up asking around about this online and apparently... I think they'd boxed too late while he was on the soft tyres, so he needed to DNF or retire rather than be disqualified. Now, I thought he was on the soft tyres long enough to keep running and it not be an issue, but I'm not sure. I really don't know what happened there. There definitely was an issue with his car, so I think they had just left him out on his hard tyres for too long. By the time they pitted him, I don't think the FIA would have counted it as proper racing laps. So yeah, because he had run two sets of hard compound tyres during the race, and they had left it for ages. I mean, I think one of the radio messages we got played, probably like, we're just waiting for a safety car. And I never understand why teams opt to bank for a safety car, because you never know if they're going to happen or not. Abu Dhabi only has a 38% chance of a safety car and a 38% chance then of a virtual safety car. So it's not even even odds for it to happen. So it was a bit of a strange one in that respect. But yes, he ended up DNFing from the race. Not the most exciting race we've had this season, especially for a season closer. But I also think there's only so much you can expect when the drivers and the constructors titles are wrapped up and the top three in the drivers are wrapped up. And then even looking at Mercedes, Ferrari, that battle, and then McLaren, Aston Martin with their battle. The drivers weren't that close together. I think Charles and George were close together in their battle. But yeah, the pace on one of the cars meant even if they were, you know, line astern, there was too much of a gap between them to have any interesting battles going off on track. But yeah, that was the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix in a nutshell. But let's have a chat about all of the teams. Starting off, as per usual, with Red Bull, our Constructors' Champions. I mean, yeah, they had a bit of a rough start to the weekend, I think. FP3, like I mentioned, was hard for them, especially for Max. I think it was his side of the garage we were hearing a lot more of the issues with, in terms of the car bouncing, him just not feeling at one with the car like he normally does. But all of that washed away when we got to Quali and the race, it was all sorted out. I think they probably made the set of changes between FP3 and Quali and it worked really well for them. And it was just the usual performance you expect to see from Red Bull. They're finishing the season on a high. I think they've been on a high pretty much the entire season. The only time Red Bull haven't won a race is Singapore because of Carlos Sainz and his win there. But I mean, other than that, that one blip in an entire season, I don't think you can complain. I know they probably would have loved to have won every single race this season. I know Max probably would have loved to have won all 22 of them. But 19 races for Max Verstappen, 21 races for Red Bull out of the 22, nothing to complain about. Looking at Mercedes now, I mean, they also had a very rough start to the weekend. But unlike Red Bull, it didn't completely gel together. Their race pacing really up and down during the race. I was looking at the timing screen and all of the data on the F1 app. And there were moments where it seemed really quick and moments it didn't. Before Lewis Hamilton had damaged his front wing, he had no pace. Well, he had pace, but it wasn't great, right? It was only when his front wing got damaged that he seemed to have a little bit more pace and there was a little bit more out of the car, in my opinion. But they did manage to secure P2 in the Constructors. Three points ahead of Ferrari. I think obviously Carlos Sainz not having the best race strategy-wise and then DNFing really, really helped Mercedes out because their pace was not great this race for George and Lewis. It wasn't brilliant. 
but they have sealed it. I know Toto said a win's a win and they'll take it and they'll be happy today. But overall in this season, it's not something to really celebrate. Ferrari, I mean, we had some very smart thinking from Charles towards the end of the race when Sergio Perez's five-second time penalty came through. Charles tried to give Checo DRS, tried to let him through so they could hold back George Russell so George wouldn't end up being within five seconds of Checo. And that would mean that Charles would be able to help secure P2 in the Constructors Hall Ferrari, but it just wasn't possible. George was in five seconds and managed to get P3, and then it just meant that, yeah, Mercedes could take P2. But I mean, I think overall for Charles, it was a good weekend, and it was a very good race from him. Very consistent, showed good race pace, but Carlos, on the other hand, had a difficult weekend between the crash and then DNFing in Abu Dhabi. I mean, the last two weekends for him. I mean, Vegas during the race was wasn't that bad but his crash that he obviously had in free practice one out in Vegas the crash in free practice two and then DNFing from this race it's not been his best double head of this season has it it was just a weird one with Carlos because I couldn't quite figure out what was going on he was starting way way out of place right but he just couldn't slice through the field like he usually can like you would expect him and the Ferrari to be able to do it just wasn't that easy for him he really struggled with it strategy I think messed him up waiting that long to put him on a set of soft or medium tires and banking on there being a safety car is insane to me I think for him, he just wasn't able to maximise on the pace that he had. It was disappointing. I am gutted for him. And nobody wants to end their season in that way. Moving on to Team Papaya, which is McLaren. And they have secured P4 in the Constructors against Aston Martin. Not a surprise. They had very, very good pace this weekend. And both of their drivers were just on it and being very consistent. That 5.1 second pit stop for Lando is gutting. I'm sure it's something they're going to be looking at and making sure doesn't happen again, especially for next season. I think it did cost him early on in the race. And it wasn't one of their best. I think we can say that. This wasn't one of the best races we've seen from McLaren since they've had this massive upgrade. But they did enough to keep P4 in the Constructors' Championship. And I think that was the main thing coming out of this race for them. Aston Martin, P5 in the Constructors' They were P7 last year, so I think any gain in places for them is phenomenal because nobody was expecting them to have the season they had. But yeah, they just seemed to struggle out in Abu Dhabi. They didn't have the pace that they had, and you could see that all weekend. They didn't have the pace that they'd had over the past couple of races. It was a struggle for them. They couldn't pull the laps together in practice. Quali was okay, but yeah, race pace, they seemed to be struggling a little bit. And I think very early on in the weekend, you could tell that they weren't going to be securing P4 and the constructors. It was going to take McLaren having to mess up in order for them to do that and get that 11 point lead. Alpine had a fairly quiet race, both drivers out of the points. Issues with Esteban and Pierre and their pit stops. Pierre was ahead of Esteban Ocon, but Esteban got to pit first. Pierre wasn't happy about it. And I feel like this is a recurring theme at Alpine. It's happened a couple of times with both of their drivers. So yeah, an interesting one there. But I mean, there were points where I thought maybe one of the cars will get in the points, especially towards the beginning of the race, but it faded away towards the end. I think Pierre's race was compromised by the damage he picked up after the incident with Lewis. But yeah, even Esteban Ocon just couldn't make the inroads, although to be fair to Esteban Ocon, 
he was driving while he was unwell. So I think Wednesday and Thursday, he had been in bed very, very unwell. Friday had gone in and drove while he had a fever. I just think he's been under the weather all weekend. So not an awful drive from him. He still fought very, very hard considering how unwell he was feeling. But yeah, Alpine, quite a weekend. And that really goes, I think, for the rest of the teams. Actually, not all of them. Williams, yes, had another quiet weekend. No points for them. Not their best race. And I think Logan Sargent, like I mentioned before, potentially at risk of losing his seat. I don't know. It's a really weird one to call and I can't figure out whether or not he'll be able to keep it. I'm sure we're going to find out very soon because we're at the end of the season now. I don't think James Wells is going to hold off for much longer. But I think it's just disappointing that he couldn't really get much out of the car come Sunday. I know it was a bad qualifying, but yeah, not being able to turn that around is disappointing. I think the Williams in general probably just wasn't suited for Abu Dhabi because Alex Albon seemed to be struggling as well. They did manage to keep a hold to P7 in the Constructors' Championship, although I do think part of that was down to the fact that AlphaTauri had Yuki Snowder on a one-stop strategy that did mess up his race a little bit. A different strategy might have meant that Williams would have been in P8 and AlphaTauri would have been in P7. Talking about AlphaTauri though, yes, P8 in the championship, but I mean, they've had a really tough season at the beginning of 2023. It was bad. They were in last place for a very long time. They had a massive upgrade package come in and it turned their season around just like it did when we saw McLaren do it, right? So PA, I think, is something to be happy with. I think they've got good building blocks for next year. They're obviously working closer with Red Bull now. So I think we're going to see a very good season from them next year. But Yuki Tsunoda, my goodness, he qualified in P6, which is his highest career place for qualifying. He led laps during the Formula 1 Abu Dhabi Grand Prix and yeah had a decent decent race he kept P6 in the race for quite a while as well overall I think he's had an amazing last race of the season I'm sure it's going to be one that he looks back on very fondly and I'm sure it's one that Franz Tost is very happy with as well Alfa Romeo and Haas both had quiet races once again no points for either of those teams for Haas I don't think their upgrade package was working the way they've really wanted it to it's not made this massive impact. I think they were hoping for a jump like AlphaTauri have made, like McLaren have made. And I think even the feedback from the drivers is saying, yeah, that's not the case. And it could potentially be making the car worse in some places. And for Alfa Romeo, I mean, it's been a hard year for them as well. Another quiet race this year has felt worse than last year for them. They are finishing in P9. Haas is finishing in P10. Let's hope for both of them that winter development goes better and 2024 might show more promising signs for the back of the field. I think especially for Alfa Romeo and Haas, Williams and Alfa Tari, I think have made steps forward. Williams obviously having that change in personnel, Pat Fry coming in, James Faust is a new team principal, Alfa Tari are having a rebrand, a new team principal, they've got the closer working relationship with Red Bull now. I think there are a lot of things in place to make sure that they're fighting for points more regularly. Alfa Romeo and Haas don't seem to have that in place right now. I know Alfa Romeo are completely changing their car for next year, so maybe that'll make a difference. For Haas, I mean, we will wait and see. I think they were banking on this car concept they bought in being the sort of starting point for the 2024 car. I think that's what Kevin Magnussen was saying as well, as this was the concept that they were carrying on into 2024. And if it's not showing you the results you want now, that is concerning for next year. 
For driver of the day, you guys picked Yuki Tsunoda and I completely agree with you. I don't think there's really another driver for me personally that fully deserved that title. Yuki Tsunoda had a phenomenal qualifying, a phenomenal race and I was so impressed by his race pace him holding on to P6 for so long, especially with, I think it was Fernando Alonso that was behind him during those opening laps. I think he's had such a good weekend and I really hope that we see more of this from him next year and from AlphaTauri and Daniel Ricciardo. I really hope we see a more competitive car. But for Yuki Tsunoda especially, I think he is a driver that goes under the radar for a lot of people. Or People just sort of pick up on the fact, oh, he swears a lot on the radio, which can be entertaining. But I think he's turning into such a good driver so I hope we see more of these performances from him in the future. So yes, Yuki Tsunoda, my driver of the day. And that was the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, last race of the season. Yeah, not one of my favourite races from the season, probably towards the bottom of the pile, if I'm honest with you. But a race nonetheless, and that is it for 2023. There are no more races. We have a break until... I think it's 21st of February when Formula 1 come back for pre-season testing and then the following weekend will be the Bahrain Grand Prix. But yeah, we are in the 90-day sort of mark before Formula 1 comes back. The Stewards Office podcast is not going anywhere though, not for the next two weeks anyway. So I've got this episode coming out now, which is the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix review. And then I will have two episodes on a season review, a 2023 season review. And after that point, two weeks, there will be no podcast. End of December, no F1 podcast. I'm taking some time out. The steward's office is closing for a little bit over winter and I will still be posting over on my social media platforms. So Instagram at TikTok at stewards underscore office. You can follow me on there. I still will be posting in those two weeks. But in terms of podcast episodes, we only have two episodes left after this one for 2023 before I come back for season two in 2024. Season review will be coming out and I have got a Google form out on my Instagram if you go and find it. And I will also post it on my Twitter or on my X. That just sounds weird. And also on my threads just to get your opinions on the 2023 season. Some of your standout moments, most controversial moments, things you want to change, who are your favourite team, your favourite driver, things like that. So please head over there fill in those forms for me and we will have a chat about them over the next two episodes thank you guys so so much for listening and Joch and Barrett please give this podcast a five star review if you enjoy it it really does mean the world to me and I will see you guys the next time you're summoned to the steward's office <laughs>